Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for Tuesday, February 4th, uh, the day that the Canucks are getting set to take on the Boston Bruins in Boston as this lengthy five-game road trip against difficult competition continues. It's part two of a two-parter episode here today. Yesterday was joined uh, for the front half of this chat by Pass It to Bullis' own Daniel Wagner, the uh, the chair. Chairman of Passit de Bullis, the the Grand Poobah of Passit de Bullis. It's impossible not to get a little uh, uh, this kind of voice when you say something like the Grand Poobah uh, of Passit de Bullis. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. It's late at night. I'm borderline delirious right now. That's because I'm splitting up this episode into two parts because we talked for, I didn't feel like it felt like that long as we were doing it, but putting the episode together was going to be close to like 50 minutes or an hour or so. And, uh, let me tell you about Grand Poobahs, the the powers that be here at Locked On, my my pod masters. Uh, they get very unhappy if an episode is uh, is close to an hour. These things are supposed to be about thirty minutes long at most every day, and yet when I have guests on, it's always with the guests. I can keep it I can keep it light. I can keep it tight when I'm by myself. But I bring somebody smart on that I like chatting with. I bring somebody on who uh, who has some opinions, who can challenge me, who wants to go back and forth, or somebody whose brain I really want to pick to uh, expand my own knowledge and learn some things about this team that uh, I talk so much and watch so much about uh, on a daily basis. I have a really hard time keeping those conversations uh, short even when I'm aggressively trying to keep it tight. Uh, Jackson McDonald said last time he was on the show, he knew when I said keep it short, it would still be like 45 minutes instead of an hour. That's just, it always that's how it is, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, but I decided to split this one up just so uh, we had a Monday night episode, you have a Tuesday afternoon episode, and the Canucks play the Bruins later on tonight. I'll be back with uh, with a game breakdown bright and early tomorrow morning or late tonight, depending on how you want to look at things. Either way, uh, if you missed yesterday's episode, I would recommend and go going back and listening to it because this is the second half of a chat and we referenced things we talked about earlier, so that might be confusing. Speaking of if you missed it, though, I meant to say this uh, during the beginning of yesterday's episode. Put out a, a, another two-parter over the weekend on Friday night and Saturday evening as well uh, with Patrick Johnston of the province where, uh, you know, we talked for so long about a number of different things. Radically different sort of conversation that I have had with Daniel here, which is entirely about the present uh, and future of the team. Uh, with Patrick, it was a, a long conversation about uh, his experience delving into the past of the team and talking about uh, uh, looking back at all these different stories that he's covered as part of the Canucks 50th anniversary coverage, specifically the Pavel Bure trade. And we talked a lot about um, you know how that trade went down and the way Pavel's legacy in this city might be different if things had gone down differently. If you haven't listened to that, I would strongly recommend that you go back and check that out, too. Anyways, without further ado, uh, here's the remainder of my chat with Daniel Wagner of Pass It to Bullis. Uh, we ended off the last episode by talking about Troy Stetcher's value to this team, both uh, on the ice and off of it. And uh, and that's kind of where we pick things up again. So uh, he, he Daniel just made the proclamation that uh, Troy Stetcher is a very good player, the best right side defenseman on this team. And with all that in mind, he doesn't cost you very much. You should keep him. That's where we left off yesterday. Here's where we pick up. Well, uh, Daniel, before we wrap up, let me ask you about these two games over the weekend that I did not watch. 
uh, because you know I brought you on as someone who watched <laughs> these games, and we're 26 minutes in, haven't even talked about him one single time. A two-goal performance from Quinn Hughes against the Islanders on Saturday. Uh, you know his best performance from uh, all accounts to, to date this season. A two-goal performance uh, from Elias Pettersson against the Hurricanes on Sunday. Not enough for the win, but enough to get a point in overtime, and it really felt like he turned it on and, you know, quote-unquote, had the the Mamba mentality, the will-not-be-denied element of, you know, killer instinct, championship-caliber-level players. Do we give our stars enough credit in this city? Because, yes, these guys have scored some great goals, not just them, but, you know, the other high-end players, whether it's a Miller or a Besser or a Horvat over the course of the season. But, you know, it often feels like... We don't necessarily see these guys take over a game. Um, or or is it just that they do that, but in my head they have like such chill personalities? Like Quinn Hughes seems like a borderline stoner, basically. Like <laughs> am I just am I just not willing to see killer instinct in these players on the ice because of the way they are off of it? I think Elias Pedersen in particular. I don't usually see him take over a game in the way that you kind of expect from a superstar. He's the type of guy who plays a solid game all game long. He'll outplay the opposition and he'll just kind of explode every now and then for a great moment, a great goal, a great setup. And it's not like he's dominating every shift. Like you might see from some other superstars. Like I don't think that's particularly controversial to say, I think that anybody who watches Elias Pettersson play, he'll have what looks like an ordinary game and then suddenly out of nowhere pull off just an insane dangle to go around a guy. Or he'll blast a shot from who knows where and just put it through a goaltender. And and it just seems to kind of come out of nowhere. So I, I can understand people maybe not giving him as much credit as he deserves because he's been freaking phenomenal this entire season yeah it seems like that's sort of the the issue of people kind of back at the beginning of the year being like i don't know this guy looks like he's poised for a sophomore slump meanwhile he's you know a point of game player for the first two months of the year (laughs) well i mean similar to how people were talking about brock besser when he was like on on pace for a career uh career year and people were going oh what's wrong with brock besser it's like (laughs) ah I mean, he wasn't going to score goals the way he did in his rookie year for his entire career. Like, that was just not going to happen. And I I think maybe he set the bar too high with that rookie season. Well, I think part of it there is that he's not alone anymore, right? Like, all the focus was on him initially when he was like that only glimmer of hope that you had, the only shining light on the entire roster. You're not going to microanalyze every second of every shift of this guy the way that you did two years ago when you have an Elias Pettersson and a Quinn Hughes on the team. That doesn't mean that Besser is any less of a player than he was at the time. Absolutely. And and I think with Quinn Hughes, I think maybe Canucks fans are, are almost um, bored with superstar rookies at this point. <laughs> There's just been too many of them. I mean, Brock Besser comes in, and I had one of my freelancers, Will Fox, he, he wrote about this. He took kind of this goofy premise of, of the ear test, or people talking about this player and as, as kind of a metric for how good he is. He's only good if people are talking about him. Yeah. And looked at it with Quinn Hughes and, and wrote this amazing article where he actually did all the research for how many articles were written about each player. 
And basically, Quinn Hughes is getting written about less than half as much as Elias Pettersson last season. Like, less than half. He's having perhaps just as big an impact on the Canucks this season as Pettersson had last season. And probably a and bigger yet, impact because of the difficulty yeah. of the position. And just Especially the fact that we've like, never even seen a player do these things from the back end, really. No, no. He's, Not in this he's city. Already, he already looks like he's going to be, like obviously, the best defenseman in Canucks history. And yeah. he's 20. You can, you can already book in his jersey retirement right this second, basically. Basically. Like, and, and he's getting half, half the attention, less than half the attention that Elias Pettersson did. That's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. In, that's, in, that's wild. In that way, you know, I've, I talked about when I had Faber on a, a little while ago that, you know, or maybe I said this to Quadrelli, I don't know, I had both those guys on uh, at about the same time, said that, you know, the, the, the All-Star game is only really worth getting excited about until the age threshold where you can no longer go trick-or-treating. But, it, but if there is kind of uh, an upside <laughs> to the All-Star game and their All-Star appearances, uh, the trio from this team uh, last weekend, it's the fact that, like, you know, uh, not to uh, deride my my media compatriots, but uh, if we're talking about the East Coast media, then maybe mentally they are kind of uh, still trick or treating, uh, and you know, might might be dullards, <laughs> might be simpletons who need something like the All Star Game. Because look, I was very cynical on this show last week about that Gretzky moment where it just felt like Wayne had a gun to his head, basically, and was going to keep talking until uh, he'd satisfied like the viral quotient of having him on the bench or whatever. I didn't really feel like there was a lot of authenticity to that moment. But if that is a moment that is you know, head-turning for East Coast people, then there is a benefit to the All-Star game. Because, not, let's be honest, like people in New York, people in Toronto, people in these major hockey markets uh, out East are not staying up until 10 p.m. to watch Quinn Hughes dazzle on a nightly basis. They just aren't. No, they're not. They're not. They're not night people like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You mentioned not being a morning person. I'm not a morning person either, but I've got kids, so I have to be. Um, but the thing is, I think you're right. You look at Brock Besser's performance at the All-Star game. He opened a lot of eyes when he won the accuracy competition and then he won the MVP in the All-Star game itself. Like that opened a ton of eyes and suddenly people were taking his Calder, uh, his, his chances of winning the Calder a lot more seriously. And I mean, it didn't work out because he got injured, but like, if he was healthy, All-Star... he would have won it. Like, I really feel that I'm yeah, so I, confident I, in that. I, I can I can agree with that, and I think it was that All Star performance that really opened a lot of eyes, and I think it earned him a lot of fans too because he was able to skate around no Bucky, able to show the flow off, and there were a lot of animated gifs that popped up on Twitter of Flash him that smile, smiling and and flipping the hair back a little bit, and everybody went, oh hello, who's this guy? <laughs> he earned himself a lot of new fans that weekend. I mean, Pedersen, Pedersen, like, he earned a lot of hype right away just because he scored 10 goals in his first 10 games. So yeah. the All-Star game wasn't as impactful for him. But I think people seeing Hughes at the All-Star game, seeing that he had those kind of moves that you don't expect from a defenseman, that he had Wayne Gretzky going, oh, hello, who's this guy whose hands are better than mine? Which is something that I definitely don't say about every single player. <laughs> 
But Wayne Gretzky is complimentary of every single young NHLer. Yes. I'm sure he's compared himself to like Marcus Granlund at some point yes. in, his, in his life. And but every every city has him on local radio, and he'll say whatever they want him to say about, I love it. I about love it. any rookie that's playing well in that market. Like it's it, this happens all the time. He'll he'll hype up any young rookie, and I love it. Like he compared himself to Elias Pettersson. Now he's compared himself to Quinn Hughes. Uh, and I mean, he might not be wrong because, quite frankly, uh, most NHLers at this point probably have a similar skill set to what he had in the 80s. Maybe not the hockey IQ, maybe not the, the mental aspect that went with it. But, you know, you look at his skating, his shot, his hands, all those things. Yeah, the tools that he had in the 80s, most NHLers probably have these days your average NHLer can probably pull off a lot of the things that he did on a, at a physical level. The mental level, that's another component that we could argue about. But he, he's probably not wrong that Quinn Hughes has better hands than he did when he played. I mean, the, the amount of training and, uh, that, that goes into these young players now is just off the charts. And they come into the NHL with tools, with, with tools that would just dazzle any of the best players in the 80s. I just wonder how much, you know, if he does pull this thing off and overtake Makar to win the Calder, like how much that goal at the All-Star game is going to be, you know, possibly responsible for that because I really don't think there's too many people voting on these things who are actually watching what he does on a nightly basis unless, you know, the Canucks are on the road and he comes and plays in your town, you know, it seems like that sort of thing. Well, I mean, I wrote about this on, on PassItToBoulos.com. You can go to VancouverIsAwesome.com or PassItToBoulos.com or follow me on Twitter at PassItToBoulos. Um, you can do all I, those things. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, I wrote about, about this, actually, just pointing out that, look, if Makar, like, basically just sets, like, incredible records for defenseman scoring from a rookie that we haven't seen since the 80s, if he's like, surpasses Larry Murphy and all these guys it's going to be really, really hard for anyone to avoid voting for him for the Calder. The only way that Hughes is going to get votes for the Calder is if he outscores him. That's just the fact. Because like you say, the, the East Coast media, they're not going to stay up and watch him play. A lot of them won't pay attention to any of the advanced stats that show that Hughes has a bigger impact than Makar. They're not even going to look and at so, time on ice, you know? Like, that's... <laughs> No, no. And, and I think that people miss as well, like how important Hughes is to the Canucks compared to how important Makar is for the Avalanche. The Avalanche have other defensemen. Uh, the Canucks sort of have other defensemen. Mm. <laughs> mm, do they? <laughs> Troy Stetcher. Yes, we can all agree <laughs> on that. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, I will always defend Alex Edler. Yes, absolutely. I'm just kidding around. <laughs> <laughs> but but Hughes is a game changer for the Canucks in a way that I don't think Makar is for the Avalanche. And the, the big argument was, well, Makar's got the shot. But if there's one element 
of Hughes's game that is like really rounding into form that wasn't necessarily there at the start of the year. It is his shooting. You know, he went in just, you know, over the last week, basically, from being somebody who was on pace for uh, nine goals this year to someone who's on pace for 12 goals. And if we were to go back even further over the last several weeks, he probably went from someone who was on pace for, you know, six goals to someone who's on pace for 12 goals. His shot has really, really come on in the last three, four weeks. And I have a feeling like that goal total and that projected goal total is only going to climb as this season stretches on. Well, I remember talking to him at the start of the season and and just asking him about that because, you know, that was one of the aspects of his game that didn't get a lot of hype, his shot. Like, people don't expect a small defenseman to have a hard shot. Um, Because he's a defenseman, they don't expect an accurate wrist shot. But he was just so quietly confident in it. He was just like, I don't have any worries about my shot. And I mean, that's just Quinn Hughes. He's, he, that's just the way he is. He basically just dismissed any concerns about his shot. He is utterly confident that he can score goals at the NHL level. And he's showing it now. I mean, maybe it took some time to really make those adjustments to NHL goaltending and, and what you have to do to fool them or, or to get the puck in the right areas to create o- those openings. But you look at that shot in overtime that he scored uh, against the, uh, oh, sorry, my brain. I, I did watch these games Islanders. against the Islanders. Um, the way that he shot that puck was just unfair to the goaltender because the way he opened up his stick and shot it away from his body into the top corner. When usually if you see a player that is coming around that corner, the way he is, and they're whipping the puck on net, they're going to hook it, and it's going to come to the other side of the net. It's going to come to the near side of the net. Instead, he opened up his skate, spread eagle, like a figure skater would, opening up his body, and he shot it away from his body into the top corner. Like That's so unfair to a goaltender, because the way that a goaltender is going to read that off the stick, even if he wasn't screened, the way a goaltender reads that off the stick is he's going to hook that, it's going to come to the short side, it's going to be an easy save. The way he shot it was just so unfair. And just the speed of his release lately as well. Like the goal that he scored against the Sharks on Wednesday last week, it was like off his stick in the back of the net, like you couldn't even blink basically. Like the the just the release that he's got right now versus what he was firing off earlier in the season and I don't know how much of that is like physical maturity of his just arms getting bigger or whatever, or if it's just confidence in your ability to get that shot off at the NHL level, like whatever it is, things are going very, very well for him right now and are probably only going to get better uh, before the season is over, I would imagine. I like to op- optimistically say that any trends we see right now are going to continue. So this role that the Canucks are on winning, what, 15 of eight of their last 18 games, that's how it's going to continue forever. Yeah, why not? Of course. <laughs> why not? Eternal optimism here, which is not uh, <laughs> what I necessarily thought was going to be the case at this stage of the year when we came into the season. Daniel, um, thank you so much for doing this, man. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Definitely a pleasure. Uh, where can people find you one more time? I know you plugged it earlier, but uh, <laughs> you know your your wide roster of talent is just pumping out more articles than uh, I can even keep up with at this point. Well, you have to keep up with it, or else they're they're going to take away my budget. Um, <laughs> keep, 
keep clicking and reading every single thing. Um, <laughs> click on all the ads and banners and stuff while you're there too. Absolutely. <laughs> Buy some merch. We need merch, actually. We should do that. Um, <laughs> so you can find uh, Passatabulas at com, or you can go to vancouverisawesome.com slash canucks-hockey or just vancouverisawesome.com and look around until you find some Canucky looking thing. Yeah, you might buy an A&B Sound t-shirt by accident on your way over <laughs> to their coverage. <laughs> and then uh, on Twitter, I'm at Passatabulas. On Instagram, I'm at Passatabulas. On Facebook, I'm not at because they don't do ats, but I'm Passatabulas there as well. So uh, just follow me everywhere. One last thing before I let you go. Uh, I passed you a Bulas for Christmas this year. <laughs> yes, you did. The last year, I should say, <laughs> not that long ago. Uh, how's, how's that uh, treated you? Where, where has it settled into? Where, do you, does it have a home in your, in your hockey writing office right now? Well, I've got this desk just full of random knickknacks and it has found its way among them i've got this random little green lantern statuette uh some random mario things that i don't understand why i have them but i do and uh, among them i have a puck a tiny mini puck with jan bulis on it wonderful i'm glad i'm glad to hear it's found a happy home i i saw it in a sports collectible store and thought i know someone who has to have this <laughs> And, and uh, I did. I had to have it. And now you do. So isn't that a wonderful little story? Uh, it all worked out. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Really appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure. Have a good one. There he is, Daniel Wagner of Pass It to Bullis, uh, making his triumphant return to the program, I believe now a three-timer here on Locked On Canucks, having split this most recent appearance over two episodes. Would love to have him back again uh, anytime because... Uh, Always enjoy the conversation with that guy. I always have a good time. We were, in fact, giggling long after we uh, stopped the recording there. So I hope you uh, were able to pick up on that kind of uh, fun energy. I always feel good after I have those conversations with Mr. Wagner and look forward to doing it again. And uh, Doesn't he sound like a teacher when I call him Mr. Wagner? Well, he is kind of a teacher. I think he taught us a lot. Over the course of that 50-minute conversation. Oh, boy. I need to go to bed. It is late for me. Uh, you are enjoying this uh, on Tuesday afternoon. The Canucks playing the Bruins later tonight. And uh, we'll see how they do. We'll see how they do this afternoon, I guess. 4 o'clock start on that one. From TD Garden in Boston. Oh, yes, until tomorrow when I break down tonight's game. And hopefully it's a good one to talk about and doesn't make me miserable. But even if it does, keep in mind these shattering results are temporary. And the Canucks will get back to good times immediately. This is how it always works. You know, we freaked out about these Tampa and Florida games a couple weeks ago. Where are we now, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you. Five points out of first place in the West. So things are going pretty well in Vancouver. Anyways, uh, you can do me a favor by heading on over to the Apple Podcasts app and leaving a rating and review for the show or wherever you happen to get it, whether that's Apple or anywhere else. Just leave the show a rating and a review. I always appreciate that. Uh, gives us a bump in the algorithms rankings, helps people find it, and it just helps me uh, experience uh, some much-needed serotonin when I read people write nice things about the show that I spend so much time putting together for them. So that's always a big help. And um, until tomorrow, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette. You've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.